Do you have goals for your life? Do you want to grow in God? Join me as we deep dive into real and relevant strategies that ignite you to seek God and slay goals. Hey, y'all. Get ready for a discussion about life, business, relationships, and more, all from a biblical perspective. And I'm your host, Felicia L. Henry. Hey, friends. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am very excited about this conversation. Um, it's going to be a very much needed conversation, um, something that we have started to talk about more, but we need to continue to talk about it. Um, we're going to be talking about mental health in the Black community, in the Christian community, um, and a lot of uh, other things just related to wellness. And so I am excited to have my sister friend, Leah, who I haven't, honestly, I haven't talked to her in a long time, y'all. So this is kind of like, <laughs> this is kind of like our catch up on the low. <laughs> Um, so hey Leah how are you? Hey I am good thank you for having me and yes we haven't chatted so we gotta work on that but I'm so excited thank you for the invitation um, I get to talk about one of my favorite things which is uh, mental health and black women black people so yeah thank you for having me. Of course of course I was like who do I know that that specializes in this and I was like yes Leah let's go. <laughs> So let's just go ahead and hop right into this mm -hmm. conversation. Um, let us know, tell us about yourself. Let us know who you are, what you do, you know, outside, of course, tell us your accolades and all that, but mm -hmm. like, really, who is Leah Lloyd? Oh, this is such a good question. When I think about this, I know people always describe themselves like in roles, but I've been really intentional with trying to sit with that. Like, who am I? And I am a being, I'm a person. I am grace, I am love, I am resilience, um, I am a divine being, um, and my roles, I am a woman, I'm a mother, I'm a daughter, a sister, an aunt, I'm a therapist, um, I'm a good girlfriend, I'm a friend, and when I say good girlfriend, I mean like to my sister friends and things like that, I um, value that role. So yeah, that's, that's who I am. Um, as a therapist, it is my ministry. It is my purposeful work. It's my passion. So yeah, that, that is me in a nutshell. I'm sure I could say more. That's something I have to work on, like talking more about myself. I, side note, I never get to talk about myself. I'm always like talking to people and learning about them as a therapist. So this will be fun. It'll be challenging. Yeah, I'm the same way. They're like, uh, tell me about yourself. I'm like, um, I don't know. You know, what do you want to know? Because I just don't talk about myself a lot. So I get mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But um, let's, you know, dig a little bit deeper into okay. your role. Tell us about your experience um, in the, the mental health field and just really the journey that you went through um, actually gaining that experience. Like why mental health? Mm -hmm. Oh, another good question. So I'll give some background and then I'll bring it to the present. So I am a PK, a preacher's kid. So I grew up in ministry, ministerial family. Um, I'm a church kid. So that is a big part of um, 
my training, my identity. And so I'm automatically thrusted into a space of helping people, of seeing people beyond just like one dimension. It forces you to see multiple sides of people and also show up differently. Um, so I think my love for people and my desire to help came from that. Um, and my experience, I really started to um, become more thoughtful about like, what do you want to do when you grow up type of thing? Like at one point I wanted to be a lawyer. Always, I think always like advocate type roles, but I wanted to be like a lawyer for a while. But then I just was like, I want to be like a therapist. And initially I wanted to work with people who had eating disorders. And that's still, I loosely do some of that. Um, but in high school, I was very clear about what I wanted. I knew when I was preparing for college that I would be majoring psychology, like I had a clear view. I knew what I wanted to do. And so I went to Tuskegee University. I majored in psychology. So I have a, a bachelor's degree in psychology. And then I attended the University of Georgia and I have a master's in professional counseling and a certificate in marriage and family therapy. Um, I am a licensed professional counselor, a national certified counselor, um, licensed in a few different states, all of that. Um, let's see. Did I answer your question? I'm sorry. <laughs> Probably some more to that. But that's, <laughs> those are credentials, and that's how I got there. What, what else did I miss? I want to make sure I hit all the points. No, I think you hit it. I, I had asked okay. why mental health, like why going into this field. And I, yeah. I think you answered it. And I love that this is something that you're actually passionate about. I feel like you have to be in order to be in this field. Mm -hmm. um, because it's, I feel like from the outside looking in, it is a challenging field to mm -hmm. be in. Um, and especially now with everything that's going on with COVID, the racial injustice. So what has it been like being a therapist just during these times specifically? Ooh, that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, we, as a, as a community, you know, we were already carrying the weight. Um, I work primarily with Black and Brown people. Um, I do have um, clients of all races and nationalities, but that's like my core demographic. And this past year was interesting because it was one of the first times that the therapist and the client were having some of the same lived experiences. And so we were all sheltering place. We all were affected by COVID-19. And then um, with the deaths and murders of our people, we were all feeling that. And so there was no way to say like, okay, that's them and this is me. Um, it was very much so a we. And so it was challenging. I saw an uptick in clients because of the, the murders of Black people, but also just dealing with the weight of, of people going into isolation and, and dealing with fear around this, this plague and, and just being very fearful of what life would be. So it was multiple things that, that um, our community was dealing with. And so being a therapist in the midst of a pandemic and in the obvious genocide, attempts of genocide on our people, I'm grateful that I get to do this, but it's not easy. Um, there have been times where I've been up very late, preparing work, like going into different corporate spaces 
educating people about diversity, equity, and inclusion, holding space with my people um, to, to help them navigate um, just different challenges. And so being in spaces where people are actually crying, actually like, I don't wanna show up, I don't want to be here. And so it, it's not easy, but I'm grateful that I was prepared for, even though I didn't know what I was preparing for, which is, if that's easy to say, it's like, you don't get training for this. There, there is no training for how to be a therapist when the mm. world is literally burning down around you, literally, by the way, yeah. Yeah, that's heavy though. And so where does the therapist go when they need help? Like, how do you, <clears throat> how do you maintain your own sanity and self-care? Oh, that's a good one. So yeah, therapists go to therapy, huh? A lot of, <laughs> and I, I say that because I am an advocate for taking care of yourself. And so I am not a perfect person and I don't aspire to be that. I'm a real person with li real lived experiences. I, I am healing and recovering from different things. And so um, that got to a point where I was like, okay, it's time for me to reach out to a therapist so that I can process, so that I can make sure that I'm well as I help others in their healing journey and wellness at the same time. Um, I have a really close knit family, immediate family. So um, I have my family that gives me a buffer to the world. Um, they were, we were sheltered in place, thankfully. So my parents and my brother and daughter. So we have a, a tight family unit. So that feeds me, that fuels me. Um, sometimes I have to go and be quiet by myself. So I may shut down all of my spaces. I may not do a lot of communicating. Um, I may just close in that, that circle a little bit more just out of protection. Um, I, I read the word, the Bible. I pray a lot. Um, I believe that prayer is a form of meditation. So I like to say that I'm in constant conversation with God throughout the day because that's really helpful, especially when I have challenging clients or challenging uh, trainings or presentations. Definitely have to pray before, maybe during, after. Um, <clears throat> let's see, what else do I do? I try to eat healthy. So that's really important because that helps to give me the fuel that I need to get through the day because eating junk, you will essentially be junky and produce junk. Um, so really try to be intentional about that, just maintaining good health. Um, I check in with my good girlfriends whenever I need. I reach out for help, like I said. So if I need a therapist or I need a wellness coach, I'm not afraid to, to ask for help. I, I'm really be intentional about not trying to fulfill like the superwoman thing because I'm not. And so really, really, like really intentional, like, okay, I can't do this. I need to ask for help or I can see the big picture and the big picture looks like it's a little busy. So let me identify some new systems to put in place. But my, my wellness is important and it's something that I actively work on. So if I had some things like at the top of the COVID pandemic, essentially a lot of people lost most of their coping skills, right? So being able to work out, go to the gym, go for walks, go be social, those things were lost. And so I even had to figure out new things to do for myself. So last summer, like I rode my bike 
Um, I went on walks. I'm not an outdoor person, but I learned how to be an outdoor person because I had to be. So yeah, that's a little bit of what I do. And then if it doesn't work, I try to find something new. And I keep trying until I find something that really works for me. Yeah, you said a lot of good stuff. And I think <laughs> one, one of the um, important things to point out is that you said you um, you actively work at it and you are intentional with it. And so I think that's important with anything, whether it's your self-care, whether it's goals you're trying to be, whether you're trying to enhance your spiritual life. I think those factors like being active in the process and intentional about you know what you're trying to do is very important. Um, and so one of the things you said that you do, you pray, right? And so I kind of want to get into this this intersection of you being a therapist and a Christian, right? Mm -hmm. So why, as a believer, why do you feel like it's still important for us as Christians to go to therapy in addition to having our faith? So yeah, so faith is our, um, it's our anchor. It is what keeps us grounded. But in the same way that we go to church, right? We we would talk to a pastor, we talk to spiritual leaders, um, because they are what we consider to be authorities or experts in the field of, of theology and ministry. The same with mental health. So a pastor, if they didn't go to school to be a therapist, although they may have some basic counseling, holding space skills, it's important to go to a licensed trained professional to process because there's a limit to everything. So you go where you need the resource. Like I'm not going to go to the dentist to talk about my feet. I'm going to go to a podiatrist. And so the same thing with mental health, if I need to go to a therapist, psychologist or psychiatrist to deal with my feelings and my thoughts and unhealthy behaviors, then you go there. So the connection is there, right? It, it is not as complicated, I think, as people try to make it be. It's like faith is one thing. Your mental health and wellness is something. They work together, but you can approach them together or independently, depending on how you want to go about it. But yeah, it, it's important. You just, you need to take care of the total person. So it's, you, you gotta, you gotta care for yourself um, in whatever way you need to. So not boxing yourself in. So people like Jesus in therapy, absolutely. And as a Christian who is a therapist, because I'm not a tr traditional Christian therapist. Um, and I was intentional about that because I did not want, I, I did not want to box myself into just this one space. I want it to be a light in all spaces. And so a lot of the work that I do, I pull from my faith. So I can come directly from the word and still talk to someone who may not um, be connected to organized religion and still give them the same content. I will word it different, but it, it lands just the same. It's still helpful. And so that's the intersection for me as a Christian who is a therapist or a therapist who is a Christian. For me, it overlaps, but I love that I can do that. And, and I find that the clients who can connect on some level of spirituality um, actually can really get through the work a little bit faster um, or it helps them to carry the load as they do the emotional and mental work 
as they're navigating their, their healing journey. Yeah, and I always like to kind of talk about this because what I hear sometimes from Christians is that, you know, I got Jesus, that's all I need. I'll be good, prayer works. And so to those types of comments or even mindsets, what do you, what do you even say to that? Yeah, have Jesus too. That's great. Please have Jesus. And, and that could be enough for that person. But also you may need more. Like I said, like you go to the place that has the resources. And so, um, you know, God, Jesus gives us everything we need, but also equips people to help us when we are struggling. Um, and I also wanted to point at it, I think that the challenges with, with our community and therapy, it has to do with the, the whitewashing of the field. So now you're seeing more black and brown faces, right? But for a long time, there's only this, this very sterile white image of therapy. And because there is a general distrust in certain institutions and organizations and structures, it's a challenge even for, for Christians, right? Because it could be viewed as unsafe. There's a lot of harm that has been done in certain spaces to, to Christians and Black Christians. And so I get it. But that is why like it's so important for people like me to be in these spaces because then I can help to give you a different view of therapy. It's a completely different approach. Like I have the formal training, but I also have the lived experience to bring in that to it. So yeah, I have, please have, have faith, have, have Jesus, have, have whatever your spiritual backing is, but then also please go to the licensed trained professional that can help you as well, because your thoughts, you know, you can back yourself into a corner by yourself thinking that you're doing a good thing, but really you're continuing to cause harm because you're not going to where you can actually get the appropriate help and guidance. Yeah, that's really good. A few things that you said I wanted to touch on. Um, you said you're able to, you know, in your role as a Christian and as a therapist, you're able to kind of be a light in a larger space, not just in the Christian space per se. Mm -hmm. And that kind of goes back to what you said in the beginning when you said this is ministry for you, right? And I think we have to kind of open up our minds to the thought that ministry is more than just somebody being in the pulpit on Sunday preaching, mm -hmm. like ministry is this work, you know, whatever it is you're gifted in, when you take that and you use it and you are in the world and you're, you know, spreading faith and your light in those spaces, that is ministry as well. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Um, and then you started talking about how now there's more Black faces in uh, the therapy space. And I think that's one of the things that makes, um, Black people more comfortable now going to therapy because there's people that they can identify with, but there's still some people who are leery of mm -hmm. therapy. They're like, you know, I don't need to go to therapy. You know, it's for quote unquote crazy people. I'm not quote unquote crazy mm -hmm. and all that. And there's this stigma attached for some people in the Black community with going to therapy. And so have you seen um, still, are you seeing those instances? And then how do you kind of combat that mindset? I see it not as much as as before, like 100 years ago, as people say, when I was starting and in the field, I heard that a lot. 
And people look at me like, well, you want to do that? Oh, I don't want to talk to you because you're going to think I'm crazy or you're going to try to uh, psychoanalyze me and all of that stuff is, is very funny. Um, to those people who still have that stigma, I don't, I don't argue. <laughs> I don't argue. I do not go back and forth with people. I let you have whatever your biases are um, in because that's not my work. Like that's something that they need to do. What I'll say is the work that I do and how it relates to me and the impact that it has. But that's usually where I stop because everyone's entitled to their belief systems. Um, we all show up with some type of biases in certain spaces. Um, but then just encourage them to research. I encourage them to look and listen um, and, and just, take their own journey of understanding. Because a lot of it is just that you just don't know. And like I said, harm has been done. So typically if there's harm or if you've seen people historically being harmed, there's gonna be this innate distrust or you know, secrets, right? And so secrets fuel pathology, like they fuel psychosis and illness. And in our community, we love to keep a secret, right? We love to hold on to the secrets out of out of protection, really, right? Because so you may have harm done in your family, but you won't necessarily report that person because you don't want that person killed or harmed, right? It's like we'll deal with it in a family, or we don't, and it causes generations of of harm. And but it's it's the secrecy, and so even that people are sick and dying from the holding on to illness but they'll do it they'll they'll hold on to these these secrets that are just really tearing them apart but they rather do that than to have have an honest dialogue and actually do the work and also doing the work is not easy and sometimes it's easier to just avoid yeah i mean it's definitely not easy and ooh, what you're saying about the these secrets that's a whole nother topic that mm -hmm. <laughs> Ooh, that is it gets deep but um it's not easy you know and I when I talk about therapy I have gone to therapy before um and for me you know I'm a Christian of course and I tell people had I not gone to therapy during that time that I went I don't know if I would be here right I was still praying to Jesus I was believing in God but I still needed that other outlet and it was difficult to number one admit that and then be in a space where you can trust another person with all that you were carrying so yeah I get it you know it's not um easy but it's it's so beneficial and sometimes necessary right like you said people are literally getting sick mm -hmm. because of holding on to things, traumas that they're not dealing with. So, you know, if you're in a space where you need it, I would just encourage you to go, mm -hmm. go get the help that you need, please. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, when I was reading your bio, you started talking about emotional intelligence. And that, again, is something that you don't see a whole lot of people talking about. When I saw it, I was like, yes. <laughs> So tell us, first of all, just talk to us about what, what is emotional intelligence? Ooh, I'm pretty sure I say emotional intelligence about 50 to 100 times a day. Um, because it's, and it's, it's new to people. Um, I'm going to be honest, it's not something that I had a lot of discussion or conversation or training about when I was in school. Um, it's something that I had to learn, like on the job training. 
Uh, emotional intelligence is our ability to recognize our own feelings and the feelings of others. It's also our ability to tap into what drives us, what motivates us, and it also helps us to manage ourselves. So manage our emotions, manage our response to other people's emotions, helps us to navigate and manage our relationships with other people. Um, and, and it also like encompasses like our own just self-awareness. So emotional intelligence is really important and there's different ways you can come at it, but that's like the, the kind of base, a loose, I don't even say a loose, it's the base, base definition of what emotional intelligence is. Yeah, and I think the whole self-awareness piece, that's something that's important to focus on. You know, a lot of times I see we are, it's easy for us to see what's going on in somebody else and not really see what's happening within ourselves. So I think mm -hmm. just focusing on your the awareness of yourself is so essential to your growth period mm -hmm. right whether mm -hmm. it's personal growth spiritual growth whatever it's so essential so talk to us about um how we can use emotional intelligence or what part that plays in being able to communicate effectively with people whether it's in our families or on our jobs whatever the mm -hmm. case may be how how does that work so with regards to like your self-awareness, emotional intelligence, that's the same thing. So acknowledging your feelings. So this is your ability to say, I feel blank. So beyond happy, sad, angry, all those, those are emotions, but also saying, I am disappointed. I am hurt. I am frustrated. Um, I am elated. I feel powerful. Um, I feel hopeful but it's the ability to be able to call out your emotions and check in with yourself and understand how you are feeling and responding to certain triggers and stressors. And when you're able to do that, you one are validating your experience. This is how I feel. Okay, I'm clear about that. Now, have, has my, have my feelings been impacted by something that has taken place through my interactions with another person? Yes, no. Yes, you can sit with that. I feel this because this person did this. And then taking that information and being able to clearly express that to another person, because if it's a relationship that you want to protect or you want to just advocate for yourself, it's important that you are very clear about how you feel and how it impacts you. And then taking that confidently, right? So that's also the other part of it. It's, a, it's your confidence in yourself and also the protection and care for yourself that you're able to go and then have these conversations with, with people in communication. Um, and it's something with emotional intelligence, something that is ever growing. Once again, I never wanna say that per some person is at the height of their emotional intelligence because there's always room for growth. There's always room for development and evolution but it's something that we need to work on because we want to have a healthy relationship with ourselves first and then hopefully have healthy relationships with other people. Yeah, and I, that's important, the having that healthy relationship with yourself so you can have healthy relationships with other people. When you, what I've noticed is that someone who is not self-aware or someone who is not able to effectively communicate their emotions, it makes it difficult to actually be in any type of relationship with that person, whether it's, you know, platonic, friendship, um, romantic, whatever. It, it just makes it difficult. And so 
there's a drastic difference. Like I've been in situations where, okay, somebody's emotional intelligence might not have been the greatest. And then where someone else, you could tell they were intentional with being self-aware and it just Mm -hmm. makes a world of difference in how you communicate. Um, And it even, I feel like it, um, how do I want to put this? It, it opens up doors for you to continue to have those hard conversations that need to be had Mm -hmm. or, you know, what you call them courageous conversations. Mm -hmm. And so what are some just tips or suggestions that you have for people if they are in a space where they need to have these courageous conversations, whether it's with themselves actually, or somebody else, like how can they start to actually do it? So it's acknowledging like how you're showing up, what you're feeling. So if you are having these courageous conversations, I always start with the self. So having that tough internal dialogue first is important. It's okay to interrogate things. It's okay to think them through, around, under, like flip it around. It's good to do that with yourself. So first, being comfortable with challenging anything with internally, right? And so that's where the conversation, the the courage comes from because you, there's the courage aspect that before the conversation, you have to be able to cultivate that within yourself. Now, I'm a believer that sometimes you're not going to feel all the courage, but you do the thing anyway, and it'll get you closer to where you're trying to go. Um, But it's important to to have that within yourself first. And then if you are going to have a conversation with someone, be clear, be direct, speak directly to what the challenge or the issue may be. Um, Using your emotional intelligence to manage and regulate your emotions is going to be very important because um, there are times where we may um, be activated emotionally or elevated and it can disrupt our delivery. Um, It can also cloud the way that we are processing and thinking and so having that that emotional intelligence will help us. It also gives us a filter so that we can be empathetic and we can be um, mindful of the words that we use and how we talk to people in our tone. Um, It allows us to put ourselves in that person's shoes for a minute. Um, And then we're able to to go out and and have these, these conversations and lean into the conversation. Um, And then also, if you're trying to resolve an issue, it's not going to always be resolved, and that's fine. But I think it's important to make sure you also honor yourself in your interactions and conversations with people, because the goal is to communicate what you need, even if that person does not validate your experience or acknowledge their role in whatever they did, you know that you did that for yourself. Uh, that is so good. I, I low-key feel like I'm in a, ther- <laughs> in a therapy <laughs> session. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And I love that you keep saying, um, you know, acknowledge the emotion, right? I think there's this thought that you can't feel things or that you shouldn't feel these emotions. Mm-hmm. But no, you can feel them. You can acknowledge them. It's what you do after that that matters, right? Even if you want to get biblical, right? There's scripture that says, be angry and sin not. So you can be angry. You can feel mm-hmm. these emotions, but okay, just make sure that you're not handling it in a way that's not positive or going to be detrimental to yourself or someone else. So 
acknowledge your emotions, acknowledge your feelings, but what are you doing after that? Man, I feel like we could keep this conversation literally going forever. <laughs> it's just so much when it comes to mental health in mm -hmm. the Black community for Black women, mm -hmm. um, Christians. So I'm sure somebody is intrigued and they, they're like, okay, how can I connect with Leah? Tell us how people can connect with you if you have anything going on. Share with us all the details. Uh, sure. So as a part of my wellness, I carefully and intentionally curate my social media spaces. So everything's private. <laughs> so you cannot find me on that unless you are in my inner circle. So like Felicia is there, we're there, but it's a protected space. But I am, um, you can contact me via email, uh, leah.aj.lloyd at gmail.com. Um, that is how I take all of my communication and correspondence because my phone is also a protected space. And so I do not want to get texts or phone calls um, unless we have already established communication via email. Um, what's in the works? Um, so I'm a mom. So I think most of my time is focused on navigating extracurricular activities. So it's the management <laughs> Of, of my daughter um, and then also rest. So I'm gonna be honest, like last year was a heavy lift. Um, the top of the year has already been a heavy lift and we are in second quarter, right? Already lifting. And so I plan to rest. And that's that's my next big move is, is some rest. Um, and then I'll probably be rolling out some things later, later in the year. Um, but that, that, that's it for right now. I know it's probably not super exciting, but I am not a part of grind culture because yeah, that's, that's just not my life right now. Look, I love it. I hate the grind culture. I hate that people promote it. And so the fact that you said, you know, your social media is a safe space, like, oh my goodness, I love it. And rest, come on, like, we can go into a whole nother episode about that stuff. But um, listen, the fact that you don't feel like you need to be doing like something or pushing out a product or pushing out a service and you're intentional about, okay, I'm a mom. So I'm focused on my daughter and resting. Kudos to you. Just thank you. Let me tell you something really quick. You know, I like I believe in therapy and what you said really hit home because I would not be here if I had not gone to therapy. So I've been I've had more than one therapist in each kind of phase of my life. They have helped me get to this point, but it takes the work because I want longevity. I I want to be well. I want to to have joy and really live in that moment. So, yeah, I I have to, to, to just be clear about how I'm going to show up. Love it. Boundaries. Something we talked about in a previous episode. So yes, boundaries, y'all. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Oh, man. This has been such a good conversation. Um, I hope you all are encouraged. I hope that you are inspired to, if you're in a space where you need to get some help, that you will get some help. Email Leah um, if that is the choice that you are deciding to make. And thank you for tuning into this episode and I will see you all in the next one. Thank you for tuning in to the Seek God Slay Goals podcast. Stay connected with us on Facebook and Instagram at Seek God Slay Goals.